want to take your seats. As Craig said, uh, the television and the supermarkets would have you believe that Christmas is here already. The season of Christmas is upon us in November. And uh, it's all over the t television adverts. There's lots of excited squeals from my child. Oh, I want that. Oh, I'd like that. Oh, I'd like that. She wants everything that is on the television. There's a lot, lot of Elsa, and she really likes uh, the film that Elsa comes from. Uh, but our readings, our readings tell us that a change is coming, a change of season. Last week and this week, um, the, changing, the readings change to point to something that is coming. And no, not the birth of Jesus, but the coming of Jesus again. We see this today in our Gospel reading from Luke 21. And it's on page 997 of the Pew Bibles, um, if you want to follow along. We're going to look at a couple of things that Jesus teaches his disciples, for we focus in on that question that they ask, when will this happen? But before all of that, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear you this morning through the words that I speak. In your name, Amen. So, this, this reading is entitled, The Destruction of the Temple and Signs of the End Times. <laughs> Thanks, Craig, for putting my name down. It's an interesting reading because in the lectionary it stops short of the full uh, teaching that Jesus gives his disciples. But we only get, so we only get part of that. Uh, Jesus is not just teaching about one thing here. He's not just teaching about the signs of the end times. He's not just teaching about the, the end of the temple. He's teaching them about both. He says to his disciples, the end will come, but you'll have to wait. Further on in this chapter, verse 27, Jesus makes it clear that the end will be obvious to all people. He says, people will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. The end will be clear to all people. And we have those kind of infamous words, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. These are not characteristics, Jesus says, of all times, of end times. They are just the characteristic of all times. They're a characteristic of the human condition from which Jesus redeems us. And so the end will come, but we are in a period of waiting. And so Jesus teaches them something else. He says, in this period of waiting, something's going to happen to you, the disciples. You're going to be tested. You're going to be seized. You're going to be persecuted. But have hope. Don't be worried because in verse 14 he says, make up your mind not to worry how you will defend yourselves. 
For I will give you the words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. So don't be worried that you're going to be persecuted because I'll give you the words you need. We see this in Act 6 with Stephen. He's been seized and he's been tested and they're trying to... um, manipulate him to say things to, so that he trips up. But it says in Acts 6 that Stephen has words and wisdom that they cannot begin to compete with. He is given words and wisdom through the Holy Spirit. Now, Stephen does go on to be stoned to death, but he doesn't need to worry about how he's going to um, provide a testimony of what Jesus has done in his life because he's given the words through the Holy Spirit. And as it says in our reading, he stands firm and he wins life, eternal life. So the end will come, but not yet. And in this in-between time, you're going to be tested and persecuted. So Jesus is saying a period of waiting is essential. But why does this conversation happen. Well, our reading started with the disciples talking about how amazing the temple was, how beautiful a structure. Look at these ornate gifts on the wall. And Jesus says, well, you see all of this that you think is wonderful. It's all going to be torn down. And the disciples asked the question, when? But I think they ask the wrong question. I think the question should be, why? Why will the temple come down? Why does it matter that the temple will come down? Why is it good news for them? Why is it good news for us? Well, you see, before the temple, we see uh, right back near the beginning of the Bible in the book of Exodus, Moses and the Israelites are given instructions by God of how to um, build the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, um, you had several layers, and right in the middle, you had the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies, within an inner sanctuary, so a veil surrounding it. And then on different sides, you had different things. And this tabernacle, this tent, it was seen to house the holy presence of God. It was how God dwelled among and with his people and how he travelled with his people. We see in the Old Testament that wherever the Israelites go, the tabernacle goes with them. It goes with them into battle so that God literally is with them in on the battlefield. Um, in my own kind of personal Bible study time, I'm reading 2 Samuel at the moment, and um, this week, it was a perfect timing really for this sermon, but this week um, I had 2 Samuel 6 and 7, which is when David becomes king finally, and he um, takes control of Jerusalem, and then takes all of the arm, armed people to Judah to collect the Ark of the Covenant and to bring it to Jerusalem so that God's presence would be with them there. But what happens on the way is that a man reaches out and touches the Ark of the Covenant, and immediately he drops down dead. 
because who is this ordinary person to touch the Holy of Holies, to touch the presence of God? And this kind of freaks David out quite a lot, and he decides, I don't want that to come and live in Jerusalem with me. So he sends it to live with his friend instead. And what he gets told is that the three months that the Ark of the Covenant is at this person's house, these three months, this family, the household where it resides, is blessed beyond abundance. So he then goes and collects it because he realises that where God dwells, his blessing follows. And then Solomon has the temple built over 400 years after the original instruction for the creation of the tabernacle. And the temple becomes the residence of the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. So the temple becomes the residence of the Spirit of God, the place where God dwells with his people, the place where he meets his people and the place where his people meet him. So why is it good news for us that the temple would fall? Well, because we live in the in-between time. We are not living in the time where Jesus was alive and walking and teaching us face to face, but we are not yet at the end times that he teaches his disciples about in the scripture. We're in the in-between. And in, the, in between, when the temple has come down, which it did around 70 AD, it was um, ransacked by the Roman um, forces. In the in-between time, God does not dwell in the temple. God does not dwell in the church, necessarily. God dwells in the hearts of every believer. That's not to say that God isn't here. Of course, he is here. But God dwells in the hearts of every single believer all over the world. We at home have been watching the Narnia films. Um, I felt it's time to introduce my daughter to Aslan. And uh, if you've not seen or you've not read the C.S. Lewis books, I highly commend them to you. They're wonderful spiritual reads. And we were watching... Um, the first, the Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe last weekend before we came to the Remembrance Day service and we talked about how Aslan came back to life and Isabel said, like Jesus yes, like Jesus and we were on our way here and I was trying to explain to Isabel why she needed to be a bit quieter than normal last Sunday because it was a special day, it was Remembrance Day and you know we have the silence and we're remembering these people and I was also remembering my own granddad, who um, had died 10 years earlier on the 10th of November. And uh, Isabel asked me, oh, maybe you'll see him again in heaven. And I said, oh, maybe I will. And uh, she asked me, where is heaven? And I said, I don't know. I think maybe it's all around us and we just can't see it yet. <laughs> And Isabel, who was in the car, just uh, driving along the A6, calm as anything, just said to me, I think heaven is in our hearts because that's how we come back to life. Because Jesus brought heaven in his heart. And I thought, wow. <laughs> um, I've not taught her any of that. That's 
I don't know, Sunday school, Sunday school teachers, Helen. <laughs> and then this week we were watching the third one and we were talking about this idea of Jesus being in our hearts and she said, Jesus is in my heart, isn't he? And I thought, yes, yes he is. And that's why the temple not being there is good news for all of us. Because God does not merely dwell in a building that is in one city for one people anymore. He dwells in all our hearts and he is accessible to all people everywhere. But where does that leave us today? Oh, we live in this in-between time. I've said that already. But literally, we are living in the in-between time where we, in this building, know that it's not Christmas yet. And society says it is. It's not even Advent. <laughs> and I think that there's something in that that we need to cling to the knowledge that it isn't Christmas yet. And a couple of practical ways that we can do that. Throughout December, our Posada will be travelling around the village and the wider Lancaster area. Um, if enough people sign up, we might have to get two. Is that right? Yes. If enough people sign up, that would be amazing. And I took part in this last year, and it was a real blessing to uh, take the Posada to Val and Peter Harrison's house. They were the next people. And I didn't really know Val and Peter that well. We sat down and we said the little prayer that comes in the box. And uh, we chatted over a cake that Val had made and a cup of tea. And it was wonderful. It was a real, real blessing to make space in the hectic pre-Christmas period. To make space for Jesus in our lives. So, sign up. It's not just for children. <laughs> it's wonderful. Another practical way that we can maybe cling to the not there yet is um, our Advent Reflections. We, this year, are going to be having a weekly Advent Reflection here in church on a Monday evening from 7.30 till 8.30. There'll be um, prolonged periods of silence for you to just sit and rest in God's presence, but also a guided reflection that will hopefully um, help you to think about what this time of year really means. And everybody is welcome to those. They'll be, on, they'll be in the notice sheet next week, yes. Um, but on Mondays, so from the 2nd of um, December, <laughs> that's when Advent is, um, through to Christmas. Because in this in-between time, we need to prepare our hearts and make room for Jesus. We're not in Advent yet. We're not at Christmas yet. And we're not at the end times either. So while we're waiting for all three of those things, we need to remember that Jesus lives in us. And when we go out of those doors at the end of this service, people meet him 
wherever we go. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you live and dwell in us and amongst us. We thank you that you no longer reside just in one place for one people, but in all places for all people. Pray that you would transform our hearts from the inside out, that whenever people meet us, they would know that they are meeting you, the King of all, and the real reason for this season. In your mighty name, Amen.